Chapter Two, Part Two of A Common Story by Ivan Goncharov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two, Part Two. Piotr Ivanitch had just settled himself to shave when Alexander Fedoritch appeared. He was just going to throw himself on his uncle's neck, but the latter holding his soft youthful hand in his powerful one kept him at some distance from him ostensibly to get a good look at him but apparently more with a view of preventing this demonstration and confining him to shaking hands your mother writes truly he said you are the living image of my late brother i should have known you in the street but you are better looking well i will go on shaving without ceremony and you sit here opposite me so that i can see you and let us have a talk so saying piotr ivanitch continued what he was doing as though none were present and began to soap his cheeks stretching them with his tongue first one and then the other alexander was overwhelmed with confusion at this reception and did not know how to begin the conversation he attributed his uncle's coolness to the fact that he had not taken up his quarters with him at once well how is your mother is she quite well i suppose she begins to feel her age asked his uncle making various grimaces before the glass mamma is well thank god auntie maria pavlovna desires to be remembered to you said alexander timidly auntie charged me to embrace you for he got up and went up to his uncle to give him a kiss on the cheek or the head or the shoulder or whatever part of him he could get at it's time your aunt had more sense at her age but i see she is just as foolish as she was twenty years ago alexander went back to his seat in bewilderment you received a letter uncle he said yes i did vasily tihovitch zayeshilov began alexander earnestly begs you to examine his affair and interest yourself in it yes he writes so to me such lunatics are not extinct among you yet then alexander did not know what to think he was completely dumbfoundered by these remarks forgive me uncle he began at last in trepidation what forgive me for not having come straight to you for having put up at the diligence hotel i did not know your rooms what is there to apologize for you did very properly your good mother heaven knows what she is thinking of how could you have come to me without knowing whether i could put you up or not mine are bachelor's quarters as you can see for one only a hall a drawing-room a dining-room a smoking-room and a study a wardrobe room and a dressing-room there isn't a room to spare i should have been in your way and you in mine but i have found a lodging here for you in the house ah dear uncle said alexander how can i thank you for this kind service and he leaped up again from his seat with the intention of showing his gratitude both in word and deed gently gently don't touch me said his uncle the razors are very sharp i'm afraid of your getting cut or cutting me alexander perceived that in spite of all his efforts he would not succeed that day in even once embracing and pressing to his heart his adored uncle and put off this project for a future occasion the room is pretty cheerful began piotr ivanitch the lookout from the windows is rather on to walls but of course you won't want to be always sitting at the window when you are at home you are always busy with something and haven't time to be gaping at a window and it is not dear forty roubles a month there is an anteroom for your man you must accustom yourself from the very beginning to live alone without a nurse to conduct your own little household i mean to board at home in a word to have a corner of your own un chez soi as the french say 
there you will be able to entertain whom you please however when i dine at home you are welcome but on other days young men here generally dine at an eating-house but i advise you to send out for your dinner at home you will be quieter and you won't be exposed to mixing with god knows who eh i am very grateful uncle what is there to be grateful for aren't you a relation i am only fulfilling my duty well i will leave you now i am going out i have my official work and also a factory i didn't know you had a factory uncle yes glass and porcelain works but i am not the sole proprietor there are three of us partners is business good yes fairly so our sales are chiefly at the markets in the inland provinces the last few years have been far from bad if we have five years more like this well and good one partner to be sure is not very trustworthy he does nothing but spend money but i know how to keep him in check well good-bye for the present you go now and take a look at the town stroll about and dine somewhere but come and have tea with me in the evening i shall be at home then we can talk a little here vasily you show the room and help to get it ready so this is how it is here in petersburg thought alexander sitting down in his new dwelling if my own uncle is like this what will others be young adouev paced up and down his room deep in thought but yevsay talked to himself as he set the room to rights it's a queer way of living here he muttered in pyotr ivanitch's kitchen i hear there's a baking once a month the servants have their meals out Ugh! my word what people a pretty thing and they call themselves petersburgers among us every dog has his own saucer to lap out of alexander seemed to share yevsay's opinion though he was silent he went up to the window and looked out upon a view of water-pipes roofs and brick walls of houses black and filthy and he compared it with what he had seen just a fortnight before from the window of his home in the country his heart sank he went out into the street all was confusion every one running in different directions occupied only with his own affairs scarcely glancing at those who passed he remembered the little town which was the capital of his province where a meeting with any one whoever it might be was always interesting in one way or another here ivan ivanitch would be going to see pyotr petrovitch and every one in the town knows the reason why here is maria martinova coming home from vespers and there afanasy savitch going out to fish there a gendarme from the governor's would gallop past like mad for the doctor and every one knew that her excellency's confinement was expected though in the judgment of the various gossips and old women it was not proper to be aware of this fact too soon every one would be asking boy or girl and the ladies were all making caps worthy to celebrate the occasion here matvai matvitch would come out of his house with his thick stick at six o'clock in the evening and every one knew that he was going to take his evening constitutional without which his digestion would suffer and that he would infallibly stop at the window of the old councillor who they also knew would be drinking his tea at this hour if you met any one no matter who there would be a bow and a word or two and even if there is any one you don't salute at least you know who he is and where he is going and why and in his face it is written i too know who you are and where you are going and why and if it should ever happen that two people meet who don't know each other directly they see one another the faces of both assume an expression of inquiry they stand still and look round twice and when they get home they describe the dress and appearance of the unknown personage and conjectures and discussions will follow as to who he is and where he is from and what is his object 
but here with scarcely a glance they push along the way as though they were all enemies to begin with alexander gazed with provincial curiosity at every one he met and every respectably dressed man he took for either a minister or an ambassador or an author isn't he he thought and isn't that one but soon he was weary of this ministers ambassadors authors met him at every step he looked at the houses and grew still more gloomy he was depressed by the monotonous piles of stone which stretched like colossal tombstones one after another in one unbroken mass here the street will end and there will be open space to rest my eyes he thought or a hill or greenness or a broken-down wall no there the stone ramparts begin again of houses all identical with four rows of windows and that street ended again there was something to shut one in another row of the same houses you look to the right to the left on all sides hemming you in like ranks of giants houses houses and houses stone and stone all the same and the same again no freedom no outlet for the eyes cramped in on all sides it seemed as though men's thoughts and feelings too must be cramped by it the first impressions of a provincial in petersburg are disagreeable it is all strange and depressing to him no one notices him he feels lost here even the novelty the variety of the crowds fail to please him his provincial egoism is up in arms against everything he sees here and has not seen at home he grows meditative and is carried back in thought to his own town what a soothing vision a house standing alone with sharp pointed wall and a small avenue of acacias against the wall a kind of shed a pigeon-house the merchant izumin is a devoted pigeon fancier this was his reason for taking the house and building the pigeon-house against the wall and every morning and evening he stands under the wall in his nightcap and dressing-gown a stick in his hand with a rag tied to the end of it and whistles and waves the stick in the air the house is exactly like a lighthouse on all four sides it is all windows flush with the walls a house of ancient construction it seemed as though it were always going to fall down next it is the small grey house of the surgeon spread out in semicircle with two wings like sentry-boxes and all hidden away in the green foliage the next house has turned its back on the street the next is shut in by a mile of fence from behind which rosy-cheeked apples peep from the trees and tempt the schoolboys the houses all stand back from the church at a respectful distance and all round it the fresh grass is springing up between the tombstones the government offices are such that there is no mistake about their being government offices no one dare come near them except on business but here in the capital you cannot distinguish them from private houses and what's more shameful to say they even have shops in the same building and there in the provincial town you need only walk through two or three streets and you feel the fresh air of the country and the hedges begin and the market gardens and then open fields of spring corn and the peace the unchanging monotony even in the street and in the people you find the same blessed stagnation and all live unconfined with space to move in no one is cooped up even the cocks and hens can run about in the streets while the goats and cows nip the grass and the children are flying kites it is even more painful for the provincial when he comes to one of those homes with a letter of introduction he imagines that they will receive him with open arms that they will make much of him give him the most comfortable chair and the best of everything 
that they will skilfully sound him as to his favourite dishes how he will be embarrassed by their warmth and how finally he will throw aside all ceremony and embrace his host and hostess will call them thou as though they had been friends for twenty years how all would drink together perhaps sing songs in chorus when he is there they hardly look at him and frowning excuse themselves on the plea of engagement if they have a business then it begins at a fixed hour and then they do not dine or sup and of taking nips they know nothing not even vodka and biscuits the host retreats from his embrace and looks in a strange way at his guest in the next room he hears the clatter of knives and forks they should invite him in there but they try to avoid his skilful hints everywhere there are closed doors everywhere bells isn't it pitiful in such cold inhospitable faces but away at home one may venture to walk in if they have finished dinner why they will dine again with their guest the samovar is on the table from morning till night and there are no bells even in the shops they embrace they kiss every one who comes a neighbour there is really a neighbour they live hand in hand and heart in heart a kinsman is so much a kinsman he would die for one of his own people ah it is depressing alexander went as far as the admiralty square and stood there quite overwhelmed he stopped in rapt enthusiasm before the statue of peter the great he gazed at the neva and the buildings surrounding it and his eyes sparkled he felt suddenly ashamed of his preference for shaky bridges little gardens and tumble-down fences he grew happy and light-hearted even the bustle and the crowd all took a different significance in his eyes his aspirations which had been overclouded for a time by painful impressions grew bright again a new life seemed to open its arms to him and tempted him to the unknown his heart beat violently he dreamt of noble effort of lofty aspirations and stepped proudly along the nevsky prospect considering himself a citizen of a new world full of such dreams he returned home in the evening at eleven o'clock his uncle sent up to summon him to tea i am only just home from the theatre said his uncle lying down on the sofa what a pity you did not tell me sooner uncle i would have gone with you i was in the stalls where would you have been sitting on my knee said pyotr ivanitch go by yourself to-morrow it's so depressing to be alone in a crowd uncle to have no one to share your impressions with and why should you you will have to learn to think and to feel in fact to live alone it is necessary now but you ought to be suitably dressed before you go to the theatre alexander looked at his clothes and wondered at his uncle's words in what way am i unsuitably dressed he thought i have a blue coat and blue trousers i have a lot of clothes uncle he said made by Königstein. he makes for our governor never mind still it will not do in a day or two i will send you to my own tailor but that's a detail we have something more important to talk about tell me why did you come here i came to live here to live well if you understand by that term to eat to drink and to sleep then it was not worth the trouble of coming so far you will not be able either to sleep or to eat here as you can there at home but if you meant something else please explain yourself to enjoy life i meant to say said alexander blushing all over i was tired of the country it is always the same and ah that's another thing what you want to take a flat in the nevsky prospect set up a carriage make a large circle of acquaintances and have reception days but would not that cost a great deal remarked alexander naively 
your mother writes that she has given you a thousand roubles that is not much said pyotr ivanitch an acquaintance of mine came here not long ago he too was tired of the country he wanted to enjoy life so he brought fifty thousand and will receive as much every year he will certainly enjoy life in petersburg but you no you did not come up for that from your words uncle it seems to follow that i don't know myself why i came exactly so that's well said that's the truth only i don't quite approve of it did you not when you prepared to come here put to yourself the question why am i going that would not have been inappropriate before putting to myself the question i had the answer ready replied alexander with pride then why did you not tell it well why i was carried along by an irresistible yearning said alexander by a thirst for noble activity a longing burned within me to illustrate and to realize end of chapter two part two recording by expatriate in bangor maine